Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Happy New Year's Eve, Flyers fans. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Carolina Hurricanes edition. Um, we are joined by Brian LeBlanc from Canes Country, which is the Canes blog on the SB Nation Network. Brian, how are you? Hello, Kelly. How are you today? Good, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, so big New Year's Eve game, which is kind of fun. Kind of fun to have something to do before you head out to do whatever you're going to do on New Year's Eve. Um one thing that I wanted to start off with, because I feel like, you know how Leafs fans do that thing where, like, every single bit of NHL news is like, well, how does it affect the Leafs? That's like, yes. Like, yes. I'm well aware, believe me. Yeah, I feel like um, Flyers fans unknowingly do exactly that thing all the time as well. I think that's, a, I think that's a, actually a fair assessment. I've thought that myself before. So, yes, I think you're on the right path. Yeah, we totally do. So, in that vein, I would like to start out by talking with our old pal, Rod Brindamore who, in addition to being kind of a, a Canes legend towards the end of his career, was also a Flyers legend at the beginning, in the middle of it. So obviously, yes. He did a little bit with the Flyers and stuff here. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to get an idea from you um, how he is doing in his first head coaching job, what the overall feeling toward Rod is so far. Well, um, it kind of depends on what point in the season you were asking this, because right now in the – midst of a streak where they've been shut out twice in the last four games and uh, generally have been completely clueless on offense. There's not a whole lot of uh, Christmas cheer heading toward old Roddy's way uh, this time of year, but um, you know, the one thing, and you know, this well as fly as a Flyers fan is the one thing that Rod was known more for more than anything in his career was his work ethic. He never Mm -hmm. took a shift off rarely missed i mean if he was if he was out injured it was because he was injured i mean he wasn't you know he didn't catch the vegas flu or anything during his career and to his credit the team has mostly bought into that approach and um you know we we expected that approach when he uh when he became the coach we expected that to be the uh the tack that he would take as a coach and so far he's been as advertised in that regard uh where i think he's falling a little bit short is in the uh, strategy and game planning department because yeah. his career was so focused on just outworking the competition. He was yeah. always going to be the hardest working guy on the ice. And, you know, he he's a really good motivator and he's got everybody in the locker room kind of rowing the same way. But when you get into the middle of an NHL season and other teams get tape on your squad and they kind of know what, where the weak spots are and they exploit those because every team does it. Um, he so far has kind of shown that he's maybe not quite ready um, to have that part of coaching mastered where, you know, he's kind of into the, in the plan B and C part, portion of yeah. the season. Um, you know, I, I, I hesitate to throw him under the bus too much because this is a roster that, you know, isn't really doing him any favors at this point, injuries aside. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that it's it's important to remember, and I've said this before in stories I've written, he's a rookie too. He's a rookie head coach, and that comes with, you know, that comes with the territory. And when you're doing this for the first time, he's never been a coach at any level of hockey before, a head coach. Yeah. Um, that takes time to learn, and that's the one weak spot in his coaching that we can see so far is that he's not the greatest in terms of um, 
in terms of like, you know, making adjustments on the fly to make his squad more competitive and more, uh, more productive. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, he's right. If you look at the statistics, you know, you would think that at some point good things are going to come from the Hurricanes because the underlying stats are all there, but yep. the production is just not. And I don't think he's quite bridged that gap yet. Um, I don't want to say he's never going to because I think he will. But it's, again, just a learning curve of a first-time head coach that's trying to find his way during the dog days of the NHL season. Yeah, sometimes I think guys like Brindamore, um, because I thought this a lot about Craig Berube, that they make really good assistant coaches, but I think that the head coach thing is hard for them because I think you're right. Mm-hmm. They don't have the experience of being a tactician in the league. They were and, just and, and, and you bring up Berube, and that's a really good point because I think we're kind of seeing that in St. Louis right yep. now. Yeah. Um, you know, the same kind of thing that we saw in in when he was in Philadelphia and the same, you know, for him, I would expect a little bit more because this is a second go around. But again, yeah, we're kind of seeing the same thing. These guys that prided themselves on hard work and that was their calling card. Um, it, for whatever reason, just hasn't translated to, you know, being a tactician. And yeah. maybe that's not his thing. Maybe maybe the trick is to get an assistant coach who is. Um, but somebody's got to do it. And right now, nobody on the Hurricanes is really strategizing anything beyond just keep what you're doing. And eventually things will start falling and they haven't yet. Okay, so I'm going to jump around a bit on these questions that I sent you, just because I think what we were talking about leads a Well, we probably can't possibly have that now. Come on. I know. I'm just, I'd like to keep you on your toes. So we're just going to throw them out there and see what happens. So in in preparing for this little chat, I was kind of reading, you know, as much Kane's news as I could this afternoon. And I came across an article on The Athletic um, by Sarah Sivian, who covers the team for them. Um, And it was essentially an article about mental toughness and how important that is to Rod Brindamore as a coach and how frustration, obviously because of the way the team has been playing and the way the games have been going, frustration is starting to set in, in the locker room. And Brindamore essentially said that when the Canes play their game, Mm -hmm. that's kind of when the frustration melts away and they find that mental toughness that they seem to lack at times. Um, what do you think is the main reason for that frustration? I mean, I assume it's kind of what we're going to talk about in a bit, which is that they have excellent numbers but can't seem to finish. Um, but just wanted to get an idea of what you might think be contributing to that frustration. And also, what do you think Brenda Moore means when he says their game? Like, what is that? Well, it's, it's a two-part answer. And I think the first part, you're onto something with, um, with the idea of the numbers being one thing. But I think it kind of goes beyond that because – you know, this is a squad that hasn't made the playoffs in going on 10 years. And right now it's an uphill climb for them to make it this year. Um, That, that matters. Uh, There's, there's no doubt that as soon as something doesn't go your way, when things have been going this way for the better part of a decade, there is going to be a very quick, here we go again, set in. Mm. And I think that that's absolutely what we're seeing over and over and over again, especially with the guys who've been here for a while, the Jordan Stalls, the Justin Falks, the Sebastian Ajos in a way, um, you know, guys that have been through the grinder have, uh, have suffered through season after season of doing this. And now they're seeing, you know, they can read this. They, they can go read natural stat trick, just like the rest of us. Yeah. And they can see that they're supposed to be scoring goals. This is supposed to be one of the best scoring teams in the league. Um, I know that, I know that this was tweeted totally tongue in cheek, uh, but um, Manny, the, the guy that runs uh, Corsica, oh, yeah. read it out. Yeah, I think it was yesterday, said something along the lines of the Carolina Hurricanes are the greatest offensive team, and I will hear no, nothing to the contrary. <laughs> like 
And, you know, obviously he's tweeting that with his tongue in his cheek, but there is something to that. They are doing the right things, and that makes it even more frustrating. This is a team that that possesses the puck, that takes a ton of shots. Mm -hmm. You know, everything everything that a that a hockey person in 2018, almost 2019, should ask for from their team, they're doing. And yet here we are. And I think that combined with the fact that that it's been so long since they've seen the playoffs is, um, you know, it, it just sets in, it sets in the dread a lot faster. I don't think you necessarily saw this in LA. I don't think you necessarily saw this in St. Louis where, mm-hmm. you know, these are squads that have had success in the recent past. And yeah, they're going through down cycles, but every team does. Well, this team, the Hurricanes, have been a down cycle for, you know, the down cycle is in the middle of second grade right now. So, you know, there's there's something to the idea that, that psychologically, when things aren't going your way, it becomes, it, it starts the ball rolling really, really fast mm-hmm. downhill. And I think that's what kind of happened because this team started the season 4-0-1. Um, yeah. It was one of their best starts in, in the last 10 years. And then it all fell apart. And by the end of October, we were even right back in the same spot where, you know, it's it's the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme basically <laughs> for the last two months. And nothing's really changed. It's just kind of going around in, in a circle uh, the way that it has for years on end. Um, to your to your point about the uh, about what their style of play is, um, that's that's part of what I think that they're they're still trying to figure out in a way. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Andre Svechnikov is a scorer. I mean, he's a sniper. He's got a great shot. You put him on a line with guys that know what they're doing, and he's going to score goals. I don't think the Hurricanes have ever really been comfortable in the in the persona of a team that's just gonna you know outscore other teams there this this team's identity has always been grinding out wins bottom six muckers and you know maybe not you know not muckers and you know Ty Domi style but you know just like Justin Williams like Justin Williams is that kind of guy like a workhorse guy not flashy not a superstar but just like a dependable like when I think of the Hurricanes, I think of Justin Williams. Like that is the team. That's fair. And I think yeah. that and I think that about, you know, 10, 15 years ago when you thought of the Hurricanes, you thought of Rod Brindamore. Right. And mm-hmm. that's been their identity for a long time. And now they've got they're starting to get guys that have offensive prowess. And honestly, I don't know if they know what to do with that because um it's been so long and the Hurricanes have been so conditioned to winning games two to one, three to two, just grinding them out hoping for games from your goaltenders, which they are finally getting this year. That's not a problem for the first time in God knows how long Um, that I don't really know if they know what their identity is right now. What should it be? It probably should be a team that kind of throws caution to the wind, that crashes the net that, you know, does, does everything, you know, to try to just force as many pucks on the net as they can, but they're kind of doing that already. And we had a story on our website last week about, um, you know, why that's not working. And one of the reasons that we think it's not working is that they're not willing to go to those dirty areas. Yeah. The goalies, they're getting a ton of shots through that are bouncing right off a pad and either to a defender or straight back out of the zone. There's yeah. never anyone there to clean up the garbage. And I think that's what the hurricanes are missing right now. So one of my favorite things about these little chats that I have with people um, about upcoming games is that I always tend to find just like a little thread of commonality between your team and the Flyers. And I think that you landed on it there, that that sense of dread that comes when a team has the same problem over and over again, and that you can feel it in both the fan base and the team. 
And the Flyers, I think, have, have been experiencing that like on a micro level in game and on a macro level over the course of this season. Um, but yeah, it's I think we landed on it. It's always a bad thing, which is terrible. But right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's there's something to that, and I think there's something kind of in the psyche of Philadelphia sports fans that mm-hmm. kind of, you know outside of just hockey i mean god how many how many eagles fans are just despondent this year a year after they won the super bowl that i mean it's, yeah it's, yeah i believe you. i grew up in cleveland okay if there's anybody that knows about <laughs> despondency in sports it's me okay so i get that believe me and i'm i'm well used to it there's also the idea that the hurricanes have to you know kind of make their own way in a market that mm. includes every year two of the top basketball teams in the college basketball oh, yeah. in the country. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a certain element, especially among diehard college sports fans, that is kind of what have you done for me lately? And the Hurricanes have done practically nothing for the last 10 years. They've spun their wheels, and here we are. Okay, so let's get into those underlying stats that you mentioned a little bit earlier because one of the things that always seems to come up in the broad street hockey slack chat whenever we talk about the carolina hurricanes is that they are kind of like the anti-hockey nerd team like they prove the point of every old school hockey man that there is that you know analytics don't matter of course we know that they do but just to give the Flyers fans listening some context here um as of this afternoon when i looked them up they were at the top of the league in Corsi 4 at 56.47. That's a natural stat trick. Uh, they take the most shots in the league, 37.3 shots per game. Um, but they are 30th in, in the league in goal score, just above the Kings, who are having an absolutely dreadful year. And it's just like, you're right. Like, that, those numbers are excellent. Like, mm-hmm. they could almost not be better. And you have to wonder, what, like, what is it that's not – putting the puck in the net is it just luck is it the fact that they're getting a ton of shots but they aren't high quality shots like what do you think it is that's keeping these guys from finishing well you know there there's two ways to look at this and one is that you could go full out don cherry and be like kids this is why <laughs> don't look at the numbers you'll look at how they're playing you'll look at good guys like dougie gill you know that's yeah <laughs> i don't think that's what it is I don't necessarily think that the uh, that the the shot metrics and the the formulas and the um, the way that they analyze these are necessarily wrong. I mean, keep in mind, um, Eric Tolsky, who used to write for Broad Street Hockey, is a vice president of the Hurricanes now. Um, they yeah. hi- they highly value this stuff, and mm-hmm. it's it you know it kind of goes without saying that when you've got guys like Eric in positions like they are. Um, it, it shows that this team isn't just sticking their head in the sand and pretending that they're, you know, that they're going to be, um, what's his name? Uh, the Sutter that was in LA winning cups. It wasn't Dwayne. It wasn't Dale. Daryl. Thank you. Daryl. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eventually you go through all of them and you'll land on the one that you want. (laughs) So it's not like they're it's it's not like they're Daryl Sutter circa 2012 and they're like yeah we're gonna we're gonna be outshot 37 to 21 every game and score two goals and Jonathan Quick's gonna win us the Stanley <laughs> Cup. That's never been what the Hurricanes have been. Yeah. But what I think may be happening is that they are so focused on doing the right things 
that they're not doing the little things that for a hundred years in the NHL have led to success, putting guys in front of the net, getting redirections, firing off shots instead of, you know, instead of passing them up. There was a, there was a game a couple of weeks ago where Sebastian Ajo had a two on one with, I believe it was Tavo Teravainen. It may have been someone else, but I think this was Teravainen and Ajo's got a laser shot. Uh He's got a, he's coming down the right wing top of the circle had all day to uncork one and he passed it and it was it was deflected away that's the kind of little stuff that i don't think necessarily gets reflected in the stats because it doesn't show up as a, as a shot attempt right and the hurricanes are taking so many of them that it kind of wallpapers over it but those types of decisions are killing the hurricanes um if you watch them on their power play their power play has been absolutely abysmal it hasn't yeah. scored in, I mean, I know we'll talk about this, but it hasn't scored in five straight games. Um, I mean, it, they spend the first at least 45 seconds of a power play just trying to get in the zone. Oh, boy. Something as, something as basic as a zone entry they can't do. And when they do get in the zone, they inevitably pass it onto a defender's stick who then clears it right back out again. It's as predictable as the sun rising in the east. And the one thing that I will criticize Brendan Moore for is he's been in charge of the power play even back when Bill Peters was here. Mm-hmm. He's still in charge of it, and it's still terrible. So, you know, something something stylistically uh, needs to change on the power play. There's no question about that. But, you know, advanced stats don't really measure that stuff. Yeah. So while they're doing all the right things in terms of getting those statistics on, you know, where they where they should be, and they should be getting better. I mean, I think part of it is luck, too. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, there's no way that a team can shoot 4% over the course of a year, although the Hurricanes apparently are going to do their best to try to prove that wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I, would be, I would be really surprised if it stays that way the entire season. But the little stuff that you have to do to be successful, the, the strategizing and the stuff that goes on between your ears, that's where the, I think the Hurricanes are lacking. And I think that's what's what's affecting the most. There's really no way to quantify that. Mm -mm. Yeah. And that's something that I think, I think when these guys go long stretches, like the longer the stretch goes, the more in their own head that they get. And they just don't do the things that they would do naturally to score a goal. They just think too much about a path Mm -hmm. being in the right place or getting your stick down or something. They're just not playing hockey. They're thinking too much. Yep. I think that once they get into their own heads, we've seen it with a number of our players. Shane Gosses Bear, for example, gets in his own head a lot. Right. And and you can tell once he's there, he can't do anything right because he's just thinking too much about every single thing that he's doing on the ice rather than just following his instincts and playing good hockey, which he knows how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm assuming... I could probably... The, the list of people that don't do that on the Hurricanes is probably about two. Right. Svechnikov <laughs> is one. And oddly enough, this season... And you're going to be amazed when I say this. Peter Mrazek is the other. He's been great this year for us. And I know that he was, you know, he was uh, somewhere slightly south of there when he was with the Flyers. But man, he a solid, a solid that's all we've been asking for. Just, I mean, he's he's sitting with the, with a save percentage under 900 right now. And everybody's like, oh, he hasn't been the problem. And it's true. He really hasn't been the problem. But everybody else on the team in their own way does get inside their own head. And when it happens in, when it happens to a team in general, instead of one or two guys, you know, it kind of feeds on itself and it becomes a feedback loop because every single shift, someone's going out there and is gripping the stick too hard or tries Mm -hmm. to do too much instead of just doing what they know how to do. They didn't get to the NHL because they were dumb people. And sometimes I think they forget that. I have good news for you though, Brian. 
The What's Flyers, that? the Flyers power play is absolutely abysmal as well. Oh, so. we're gonna make you guys look like the you know the fifties Canadians. Don't don't you worry. I don't know. It could be a race to the bottom in this game as far as power play production goes. Because I will say, I will say this. Um, at, at the beginning of the season, the, the penalty kill was just as bad as the power play is now. Ooh, and yeah. uh, Brenda Moore was adamant in saying what, what's happening on the power play on opposing power plays is dumb luck. Mm. Stuff deflecting off of sticks. A broken stick leads to a two-on-one down low. I mean, that kind of stuff. And you can never really quantify that. He yeah. said, you know, we are going to get this right just doing what we're doing. And he's been right. The power, the penalty kill has been a lot better over the last little while. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, defensively is where the hurricanes have kind of made their bread and butter for the last few years. And it can't be that bad forever. And it really wasn't. And having competent goaltending goes a long way to helping that as I'm sure you're well aware. It, it doesn't hurt. That's for sure. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So to get, to get back to the identity of this team, I think kind of the biggest splashy news that the Canes made this season was when they started doing these post-game celebrations on the mm. just goofy little things they were doing, I'm assuming for the fans, just to have fun. Yep. And it seemed to make the 200 or so hockey men that <laughs> run everything very, very upset. They didn't like this at all. No, they didn't. Um, but I mean, from the outside, it just looked like fun. Like, I don't know what the big deal was. How did you guys take it? We loved it. I mean, yeah. and, and everybody gets into it. The, the players love it. The fans love it. The ownership loves it. I mean, literally the only, the only person that went on the record and said, I don't like this is Brian Burke. And what I, all I have to say to that is that Brian Burke once replaced Brass Bonanza with Hot, Hot, Hot by Buster Poindexter. So <laughs> I mean, I'm not I, making that up and you can look it up. Um, so yeah. I'm personally of the opinion that if Brian Burke hates something, it's definitely good. I think that's probably a safe bet. Yeah. Because um, he's a miserable human being. With a perpetually disheveled. Yeah. Can't tie a tie. He's got that whole hair helmet yeah, going the, on. The, the top button. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Okay. In some ways, I want to be um, Yeah. The people here. Avoid next the next time that they that they do one of these things, and you know, is it going? It's going to going to die out. It's not going to be a thing for as for much crap as this goes through. Chuckle to themselves and say, you know what, this is a game. It's fun. F you. We don't care. Um, that's 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 great, and. And it gives the fans something to look forward to. And, you know, what's what's hockey if it's not a game that's meant to be enjoyed? Right. Like, and why if you're not enjoying it, you're probably not doing it right. Yeah, why should and God knows fun. there hasn't been a lot to enjoy around here the last 10 years. Yes. Fun should be the goal, I think. Well, scoring goals should be the goal. But then that you know, games, itself you know, games would be good. That tends to enhance the fun, I find, when they win games. <laughs> fun in general, I think. I agree. It should be the goal for the fans. They should be having fun. I agree. Yeah. All right, so let's get into this game that we're going to be playing. Um, and I was hoping that you could give me a player who Flyers fans may not know about off the top of their heads, who might fly under the radar a bit news-wise, but who you think might be making an impact in the game. 
Well, with apologies to Jacob Slavin, who is inevitably the correct answer on this question, and I just get tired. I mean, because everybody asks this, and he's always the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think that he's he's maybe so underrated that he's a little overrated at this point. Oh, who knows? Um, not that he's not not that he's bad, but it's kind of like you know you can only be the the best kept secret in the world for so long before people start to pick up on you. Um, I. I think that one of the guys that's really kind of snuck up on people this year is Jordan Martinook. Uh, the Hurricanes got him in a trade for um, in a trade with the Coyotes uh, for, I believe, Marcus Kruger um, back in the uh, back in the in the summer, and he's been on a on kind of an oddball line with Svechnikov and Lucas Walmark most of the season, and you would think that's a really strange line. Um, it, and it kind of is, but it's one of those, it's crazy enough that it just might work type of lines. And it has for some bizarre reason, probably because Sveshnikov can basically make his own offense no matter who he's playing with. Um, but Martinuk has been everything the Hurricanes could possibly have hoped for. He kills penalties. He does a really good job on the penalty kill. He's a pest par excellence in front of the net. Uh, what, what I think works really well on that line is that Martinuk is a good is he's kind of a bulldozer in front of the net not in the sense of like a Tomas Holmstrom type but he just takes up space and just shoves people out of the way and opens up space for Sveshnikov to do his thing um he's in a in a season where the Hurricanes have had plenty of guys that should be doing better than they are um he's given the Hurricanes way more than anything th- anyone thought i mean they were they picked him up basically to be a a functional replacement for Marcus Kruger, and he's been over and above anything that we could have hoped for. He's been really good. Okay, so there you go. Keep an eye on that dude. Um, any flyers that you like watching when our teams meet? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it's it's funny when you ask that because do I enjoy watching them? Yes. Do I want them to do well against the Hurricanes? Not necessarily. Yeah. So. You know, a guy like Sean Couturier just kills the Hurricanes. He scores just about every game against him, it seems like. Um, Gostas Bear is kind of the same way, although I know that he's um, I know I know that he's in and out. I think I, yeah. it's, a, it's a polite way of putting that. Yeah. Um, and I've always, I personally, I've always liked Wayne Simmons. I like the game that he plays. I know mm-hmm. that he's kind of, he's, he's kind of a Lucic type and that, you know, the type of game he plays doesn't lend itself to a real lengthy career. Yeah. And so I think he's he's going to be, what is he now, 32, 33, something like that. I, I have so. a I have a feeling he's going to be a really old 32 or 33. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it's a kind of already trending that way. Just, again, just the type of game that he plays. But when he was on his game, man, he was one of the most fun guys to watch. Um, he was kind of the, he was kind of the heir apparent to those, um, you know, those just bulldozing crease clearers back mm-hmm. in like the mid, uh, mid-90s tight, you know, mid-90s Devils teams and so forth would have fit right in on those teams. Have always really liked the game that he plays. And uh, fortunately, he doesn't score that much against the Hurricanes uh, or against or really against anyone else these days. Well, yeah. So I can, I can safely say that without him, you know, going out and scoring four points and a hat trick tonight so we got that going for us it always surprises me how many people answer this question with Wayne Simmons just because I always kind of assumed that he was the type of player that everybody outside of Philadelphia hated um no I never really but... got the sense that he was I mean Lucic is kind of that way Brian yeah. is kind of that way 
um you know there there are definitely some other guys that kind of and simmons never really came to mind like that I, yeah he is like extremely likable as a yeah human. yeah i mean yeah he's never he's never gonna win a lady bing to be sure but i mean you know there are some there are some real tom wilson comes to mind there's oh, some God. real pieces of work yeah that you know is are beloved in their hometowns and as soon as you get outside 15 miles from the arena nobody can stand them i mean and i've never really seen simmons as that type of player i mean i he he certainly doesn't play the type of game that tom wilson does yeah. and i think that you know just the he, he just always kind of seemed like a happy-go-lucky guy that just mm-hmm. left everything on the ice and i think a lot of other teams have a lot of respect for a player like that yeah that's a pretty good way to describe him i would say he's he's been very good for us and it's going to be a shame but we can't sign him. <laughs> he's got, he's <laughs> well, got it. But, see, but look at it this way. When you don't sign him, he's going to be getting paid way more money than he should. That's the thing. That probably can't afford it. So yeah, it's I told, I want him to go, yeah. I want him to go out and get all of the money. Just yeah. not from us. He's going to be, he's going to be the next Lucic. I mean, yeah. Lucic yeah. at this point is what's he got four, four years left on his contract at what, six and a half million a year. I mean, <laughs> it worked out. Or, or something. Yeah, someone's someone's going to someone's going to pay Wayne Simmons way more money than he's worth at this point. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. Just as an aside, because it made me laugh hysterically. Apparently, Pete Shirelli is trying to get Brandon Manning from Chicago, which is like, oh well, <laughs> planned the parade. I they they got Alex Petrovic yesterday, so he, yeah, you know, anything's possible. He truly so, is like Kevin. inordinately bad at his job and remains employed. <laughs> Unbelievable to me, but anyway, and that's, we'll that, and that's in a league that still counts Dodd Waddell among the general managers. <laughs> yeah, right. point that out is really something. <laughs> okay, let's get back on track here because okay. I am a rambler. Um, let me get from you. <laughs> so a- am I? Can you tell? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> let me get a shot in the dark prediction for how you think this game's going to end up. Uh, well, I at some point that can't be this bad forever. It's going to be a good crowd tonight. Mm. Uh, New Year's Eve games here are always something of a tradition. It started way back in the the early days of the fran the early days of the franchise. Um, maybe two three years into when they moved here, they almost by accident just had a um, a ball drop in the arena. Really, um, and people just ate it up. And I don't. I think it kind of came out of nowhere, but they realized they were onto something. Mm-hmm. And so for a, for a lot of years after that, consecutively they had a new year's Eve game at what's now PNC arena. Um, It's not quite as, this is kind of going back to what you said about the celebration, the, the novelty of it kind of wore off, but still every few years um, it's either going, something is always happening at PNC on new year's Eve, whether it's the hurricanes, the Avid brothers, it's one of those two things. Uh, The Avid brothers rotate around the new year's Eve show every year in North Carolina. And they rotate between Charlotte Greensboro and Raleigh every year. They were in Raleigh last year. I think they're in Charlotte this year, so they'll be back here in two years. Um, but anyway, beside that, uh, good crowds tend to help the Hurricanes. It helped yeah. on Whalers Night against the Bruins right before Christmas. Um, and I, if they can get if they can get something going early, I think they have a pretty good shot to win this game. If they get inside their own heads, no, then we're going to be right back to where we were. But I feel fairly safe in saying that this won't be a shutout. Um, yeah. on either on either side um maybe maybe Mrazic shuts them out I don't know but I, I wouldn't put any money on it um that would be amazing I would it though that would just be I, I would know what the what the story lead would be 
in that yeah. case. But um, I, I think that the Hurricanes probably win this game, but I think they need to score at least once in the first period to do it. They're not mentally at the point where they can come back from yeah. any sort of deficit right now. I did not know that a New Year's Eve game was kind of a thing in Carolina. That's fun. It is. Yeah, that's it is. And actually, that's why that's partly why it's a six o'clock game. Is okay. to, um, they're they're I think they're doing something afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they had played it years ago, they used to play it at like eight o'clock. And so the game was done at ten thirty. And you know, by the time yeah. the media got out of there, it was already <laughs> it was already the next year. Yeah. Um, fortunately, they've started to move those back a little bit. I think they're still going to be doing something in the arena all the way to midnight. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a thing around here. And it's early enough that, you know, families can go. They'll be done with the game by 830 if they want yeah. to go downtown. Uh, they've got, you know, it might rain here. Uh, it might rain here tonight. So there's that, you know, kind of fly in the ointment. But generally speaking, uh, it gives people time if they want to go downtown for a little bit, you know, hang out, party a little bit before before midnight they can do that so it's yeah it's, it's kind of a fun under the radar sort of thing that has kind of caught on here over the past 20 years or so that doesn't happen every year but when it does it usually is a pretty good time so i'm gonna say so after the flyers choked away a lead against the panthers the other night i think that they're gonna be pissed off and i think that their new coach kind of fosters that kind of attitude <laughs> yeah, the um, pissed offedness yeah which is like you know the complete opposite of dave haxtall who thought that mm-hmm. showing any kind of emotion was just a waste of effort you should never <laughs> um so May I introduce I, you to bill peters yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna say mm, i'm gonna say that our old pal pete gives us one and it's gonna be four two flyers i was thinking four two hurricanes so we'll see what happens then so i think i think both of us should run to a casino right now and bet that the final score will be four to two not a bad idea just not say which team is going to score which which number of goals who can say (laughs) (laughs) all right you never know you never know all right that's all i have for you guys all right you were amazing thank you so much for doing this with us you bet anytime glad to do it thanks kelly you're welcome. And like Brian said, this is a 6 p.m. game. Make a note of that because it's weird on a Monday to have a 6 p.m. game, but it will give you plenty of time to watch the Flyers and then crack open those cold ones and champs and all that stuff and have fun with your friends. So, yeah, we get some pre-party hockey, which is always going to be a good time. Brian, thank you again. Yes, ma'am. Let's go Flyers. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.